Um, <clears throat> all right, I want to jump in. I want to jump in to um, share something with you guys tonight. <clears throat> and then there's going to be a response um, immediately um, to that. So hopefully you, you're uh, willing to participate. Are you guys, um, can, I, can I get some agreement? Would you be willing to participate in response? Um, to yeah, I'm, I'm actually asking you in faith. <laughs> yep. <laughs> if you can't give me your ass now, that's fine. You can wait until you hear what I said. But thank you in the back for the thumbs up. I got a couple people. Yeah, you guys are just crazy in love, so you're just crazy right now, you know? It's just say yes to whatever, all right? That's great. Um, the rest of you, it's fine. You can give me your le- yes after this. Um, and if for whatever reason you decide, you know what, I'm not really up for participating, that's fine. You can just hang out for a little bit. You can, you could um, just observe. That's that's technically a way of participating. So, but we'll. I didn't want to um, surprise you, but yeah, that would technically be participating. So, I wanna um, I wanna kind of continue with what Derek shared last week, and I, I think it's a really um, significant word that we put into practice, and so that's why I want to give us a chance to do that. And if there's ever a place for us to be able to start putting into practice the things that God has called us to, this place should be it. Um, this is, should be a safe place for that kind of thing. And so uh, I, I, I hope you feel that tonight because it's, it's true. It really is. Um, this is a safe place to um, begin to practice what God has called us to. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> as a refresher... Um, if you want to turn with me to Acts 9, <clears throat> Derek last week shared about Saul's conversion. Um, Saul became Paul. <clears throat> There's probably not any um, more significant life changes recorded in, in history than this one in terms of the effect that it had um, on history and on what we're actually looking at here in the Bible. Bless you. Um, <clears throat> And uh, Derek focused primarily on um, the um, vantage point of Ananias. Uh, this is Ananias, the second um, second one we've heard about. <laughs> um, and um, what what Derek shared was really this powerful um, kind of juxtaposition of two different perspectives: um, the perspective of of Ananias, if and when he shares God's perspective for Saul, um, versus the perspective of Ananias, if he chooses not to embrace the perspective of God towards Saul, and instead chooses to embrace what he called a fleshly um, vision for Saul's life. And um, so there's two, uh, I wish I still had the board that, and someone drew a really great drawing. I don't know who, who did the drawing, but it, it's since been erased. So anyway, but there's this juxtaposition of those two um, possibilities. And, and, and with that, I want us to know, um, just as Derek shared, like we have the, um, there's this critical moment where God, in fact, he has a vision for each of your lives, each of the lives of the people in this city and in our world. God has an amazing vision for every person um, that we might come across, <clears throat> every person he's created. Um, but with that, um, God is wanting to bring his people into an understanding of how he sees humanity, um, which is this amazing privilege um, 
possibility, responsibility um, that we get invited into as the people of God. We actually have the privilege and the responsibility to begin to see the way that God sees. To begin to see what God sees when he looks at um, primarily people. And so there's a responsibility there, but um, with that, so God sees people a certain way, and in that there's an invitation by which we come to receive what God sees, and, and then there's this important step by which we come into agreement with that thing. We come into agreement with the truth of what God sees about people. And, and actually, that starts with ourselves. Um, it says, love your neighbor as yourself, and unless you love yourself, unless you have come into agreement with God's love over you, um, then actually you can't love your neighbor the way God's designed it. And so actually, first and foremost, and, and the thing we're in the process of right now, in fact, is, is letting God's truth of what he sees and what he says about us actually sink in and coming into agreement day by day by day. That's called actually receiving our identity and beginning to walk it out. Okay, but... With that, as we receive that, then we can begin to come into agreement with God for the people around us. That's an amazing place to be. That's an amazing opportunity that we have. It's called sharing the good news. All right. So um, <clears throat> this is actually a moment that, that Derek shared for us last week. I'm just going to read a, a little um, piece of that so that <clears throat> for those of you who weren't here or maybe um, you need a refresher. <clears throat> Acts 9 starting verse 10 through 19. This is what it says. It says, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias. There you go. That's how he called to him. He says, Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. I love that they put the street name in there. That is just really random. Um, And ask for, well, particular actually, and ask for a man named Tarsus, uh, from Tarsus named Saul, For he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias. That would be you. um, Come and place his hands. um, Come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. So God says, actually, I'm giving you a vision for Saul, and in that vision, Saul is getting a vision of you. That's pretty cool. Verse 13, it says, Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man, and they're not very good. And the and the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem, God's like, oh, really? You heard about that? I, that's news to me. No, he didn't say that. Um, <laughs> he said, he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. I love what God says to him. Okay, that's, that's really interesting, Ananias. Now go. Go anyway. And this is what you need to know, despite what you've heard. Because how, how many of you know... What we've heard, what we've seen, some can get in the way of what God sees. What God wants us to hear. So, he says, go. And this is what you need to hear. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he will suffer for my name. And he's not saying I'm going to punish him. He's saying this man is going to be my chosen instrument. He's going to share in the fellowship of my suffering. That's a privilege. And I'm sure Ananias was like, are you sure it's the right one? Because people get me confused, too, for somebody else. Yeah. Um, No, it's the right one. His name is Saul, and it's going to be Paul. 
and I want you to go to him, and I have an amazing plan for him. So in that moment, Ananias hears what God says and sees about Saul. And then there's this important uh, decision there. Is he going to come into agreement with it? Because coming into agreement is necessary if he's going to go to him. Coming into agreement is necessary if he's going to go in the love of God. And Derek shared really um, uh, this truth that he could have said, you know what? I don't, I don't want that to be the truth, and I'm going to live out something different. And, uh, you know, there Saul was, and he was helpless. And, in fact, he could have said, you know what, this guy, I don't really believe that, God, you're going to do this. So, instead, we're going to take matters into our own hands. But he doesn't do that, right? And so he goes. And I love this because um, there's an application here right away for Ananias coming into agreement. Obviously, him going is part of that application. But then the very first thing he says to Saul when he goes to that place, he says, Brother Saul. The very first thing that he speaks to Saul is a word of how God sees him. You're in the family now. And I've come into agreement with what God says and what God sees about you. You're no longer an enemy of God. You are a friend of God, you're in his family, and as a result of that, you're my brother. So the very first thing he says to him is, Brother Saul. How powerful were those words? I mean, we, we might gloss over it, but I believe that right there was powerful. And it probably took a lot for Ananias to say, Brother Saul. So he speaks this word over him. Um, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road... As you were coming, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I've come with good things for you from God. And it says immediately he could see again. And he got up and he was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. So, all right, there's our recap, okay? In this powerful moment, this, um, I mean, I, I know Ananias had no clue how significant this moment was. And yet in his obedience, he speaks these words, and he's a part of the changing of history. Wow. So I want to say with that, you know, when we come into agreement with God, in fact, there's the potential for this very thing. Like we don't know when a Saul turning to a Paul will make such a dramatic change in history. Um, but that's what can happen when you and I come into agreement with God about the people around us, and we begin to speak the very words of God, because we've already come in agreement. And not only do we see God the way that God sees, see people the way God sees them, but we get to speak what God is saying about them. I want to go one other place here, okay? Um, I want to go to 2 Corinthians 5 real quick, okay? And this is, um, in case you're wondering if this is legal, if we can do this, can we really speak... Uh, the words of God over the people around us, and if so, what should that look like? Because a lot of people think they're speaking the words of God, and in fact, they're speaking judgment, condemnation, shame, all these things in the name of God. And I want to say that, in fact, that is not the word that God is speaking. So it's really important that we get the heartbeat of God so we can speak what God is really feeling and wanting to say to people. And I believe the heartbeat of God is in Second Corinthians 5 for humanity because of Jesus. And this is what the heartbeat of God looks like towards humanity, all of humanity, because of Jesus. In verse, um, let's go to verse 16, okay? 
Actually, we'll start in verse 14 because this is the reason for what he goes on to say. It says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. Verse 16. So in light of this, he says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. That sounds very familiar to what Derek was talking about. A fleshly point of view. Just based on our own um, understanding of things. Which is often very limited. Often problematic. Instead, he says, Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, the new, uh, the new creation has come. The old has gone, and the new is here. We need to call forth the new. We need to call forth the new. Because the new is here, but sometimes we don't even know it yet. The new was there for Saul, but he needed to hear it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God. It's from God. This is God's idea. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What is the ministry of reconciliation? There's not a period there. There's a colon, at least in my Bible. And it says this. It says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, meaning not counting people's sins against them. I don't think reconciliation is merely not counting people's sins against us. But in order to have reconciliation, there first has to be a removal of that which is in the way of restored relationship. And so God says what reconciliation really means is first and foremost, God is getting rid of the thing that has separated, that has brought brokenness to the relationship that he wants to bring repair to. Reconciliation is actually first doing that, And then, in light of that being in the way, being able to restore what ought to be. Reconciliation actually is a picture of relationship before anything ever got in the way. So if um, I let Derek borrow my car and he, I don't know, went joyriding and he ran into a light post, um, reconciliation would not be me saying, Derek, I forgive you, but um, you can't ever borrow my car again. (laughs) And I'm going to remind you of that moment where you drove into the light post over and over again. That's not reconciliation. Reconciliation is actually as if I forgot that that ever happened. And Derek's like, hey, I want to borrow your car, but I remember. I'm like, what are you talking about? Here, borrow the keys. There you go. All right. I hope that's not too close. You're free to borrow my car. He has never put my car into a light post, just so you know, Um, thankfully. All right? So that's reconciliation as if nothing ever got in the way. And that's actually what God has done through Jesus. That's awesome. And so in light of that, if sin is removed, if sin is no longer in the way, and and then you realize that God is now relating to us entirely differently. And that's still foreign to us in some ways. We are used to... Because we live in brokenness still, we're used to um, relating in light of brokenness. But God, in fact, is relating to us as if sin was not in the way anymore. And so that actually 
gives me a picture for what it means to be ministers of reconciliation because it, it re- actually requires us to see what God sees, which is he sees past the brokenness and he sees to something deeper. He sees past the history, past the record, just as he did with Saul, and he sees something different. And in Saul's life, nobody would have said, here's an instrument for God's glory. Why? Because the record of sin, the things he was doing to the church was so long and so in your face. Like, you, you couldn't get past that. But God saw past the sin. And he saw the potential. He saw the plan. He saw the deposit that was there. And he called that out. And that's what we get to do. And so, in fact, if we're going to do that with God, it requires, it requires the Holy Spirit in us to show us what we can't see on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to give us a vision, to give us sight that doesn't come from ourselves. That's what it means to not see according to the flesh anymore. Bless you. So that when he says, we no longer regard anyone according to the flesh, that's what he's talking about. It's not only what we see, but it's how we see. Okay? Um, <clears throat> I want to just jump to two other verses really quick, and then the application, and I'm going to have you guys um, kind of join me in that, all right? Um, you don't have to go there, but I want to read this. Uh, it's First Peter 4, 11. It says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. I think that's a pretty simple, um, plain, what I mean plain, really, um, way to just put it. If anyone speaks, they should speak the words of God. Um, It doesn't get much clearer than that. (laughs) So when you speak, what is God desiring? That you would speak his very words. That's simple, but that actually, it does require a lot of you in that it requires you to surrender to what he's thinking and saying and to be in communion with him. Um, I believe if God was calling us to this, he doesn't call us to things that he doesn't prepare the way for us to walk in. So if God's saying, I want you to speak my very words, then in fact, there must be a way in him for us to do so. And I believe God has in fact made it easy for us to hear from him and to hear his thoughts, and to share those thoughts. I think, in fact, what it requires of us is just to believe that to be true, to believe that there's no qualification other than that we are his, and as his, we get to hear from him. The, um, the child has the ear of the parent. He also has the thoughts of the parent. And if you're his, you have his ear and you have his thoughts. And actually, what we need to do is lend him our ear so we can hear. It's true, Jonathan. Are you with me? Okay. One more. And, and this, is, um, this is where um, I think that comes from. And it's Psalm 139. This is one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And um, in particular, this, this part, I love how David 
um, had such an intimate relationship with God, and he knew him so well, and he knew his goodness so clearly. And this is what he says about um, God in verse 17 and 18. He says, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. Yeah, you just get a feeling that David had heard from God some. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. He's like, I can't keep up with you, God. You just, you speak all the time. How many of you want to hear from God that way? See, I don't think it's just David, like, special qualification because he was a king, whatever. In fact, actually, I think in here we see a picture of what is to come through Jesus for his people. And would we come into agreement? Some of us are still believing that I'm not qualified to hear from God like somebody else. And in this church, I hope you don't hear that. In fact, I know you've, you've never heard it from me. See, I believe that the qualification is if we're his ch- children, then we get to hear from him. And in fact, maybe what's in the way is just our own disbelief of that to be true. And so I want to encourage us in that tonight, okay? And I want us to put it into practice. He goes on to say in verse 18, Were I to count them, meaning your thoughts, they would, be, they would outnumber the grains of sand. I don't know what beach he was talking about, but there was probably a lot of sand on it. He says, if I was to count the thoughts that you have for me, they would outnumber the sand. Whoa. So I just get a hunch that God has, is full of thoughts for you and me. And this isn't, um, this isn't just something to, to puff us up. I believe, in fact, again, the application, especially today, is that we would come into agreement with that for the people around us. And, you know, maybe you, you struggle to hear from God on your own. Maybe actually um, the starting point is listening for someone else. And as you listen for someone else, see, because God operates always out of love and love gives And as you listen for someone else, maybe that will be the key to unlock you being able to hear from God clearly for yourself. And I believe there's this way that God works in the body where he he actually calls us into listening and sharing for the people around us because that's how the body is meant to work. Dependence. Interdependence. Okay? So it's not your relationship with God all alone on an island somewhere. That's why... He created this thing called the church, and we're meant to do this together. Okay, so practically, um, this is what I want us to do tonight. Um, I want us to, I want us to ask just really one simple question of God for the people around us. And what we're going to do is we're going to, um, we're going to have to. You're going to have to actually get up, and you're going to um, organize yourselves in groups of two to three. Okay, don't do that just yet. Um, with that, what I want to say is, um, if this is all unfamiliar to you, um, don't feel any pressure, okay? Find, put yourself, find a group of two to be a part of, okay? And if you just want to listen, that's totally fine. You can just sit and listen. Um, what you might do is even just let the people in that group share something for you. So receive, okay? Okay. Um, and if you feel led, or maybe God in that moment gives you something and you didn't think you had anything, 
then you might even share as well, okay? So the question is this. The question that you guys are going to ask, and we're going to ask together, um, is this question, God, when you think of this person, what do you see? When you think of this person, what do you see? So this is as simple as that, okay? So we're going to ask that question, and we're going to let God speak. And that might mean you, you wait a minute and you listen. It might mean you close your eyes in prayer if you need that to focus, concentrate. It might mean you just begin to, um, to share, and, and, and God might give you the words as you share, okay? And um, just, if, if you don't have anything, that's okay, all right? The last thing I would want anybody to do is feel like you have to come up with something, um, for something, make up something. You know, you don't have to do any of that. And in fact, um, don't, okay? Um, are there any questions? I feel like I, might, I need to ask that. Are there any questions? Okay, so this is what we're going to do. We're break up into those groups, two to three. Um, don't spend too long. You don't have to, you know... Um, Give uh, a, a three-page summary of what God sees. Share a few things, and maybe if there's more, you might share with that person later. Um, and then uh, what we're going to do, in fact, is after that, I'm going to call us back together. And if anybody wants to come up and share what, what God shared through the people in your group, we'd love to hear that, okay? Um, so I'm going to say don't share what, somebody, what you had for somebody else unless they ask you to, okay? Share what you received um, from that place, all right? So um, some of you, this might be more familiar, so if, if it is, I would ask that you would um, just take the lead in organizing a group and, and leading that time, okay? All right, so go ahead, find some folks, two to three people, and um, again, the question is, when you think of this person, God, what do you see?